Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Wow. I have something I want to read to you. Carl Stifler read this little prose on Mother's Day 2003. I'd like to reread it to you. Mom and Dad were watching TV when Mom said, I'm tired and it's getting late. I think I'll go to bed. She went to the kitchen to make sandwiches for the next day's lunches. She rinsed out the popcorn, popcorn bowls. She took meat out of the freezer for supper the following night. She checked the cereal box levels. She filled the sugar container. She put spoons and bowls on the table. And she started the coffee pot for brewing the next morning. She then put some wet clothes into the dryer, put a load of clothes into the wash, ironed a shirt, secured a loose button. She picked up the newspapers thrown on the floor, picked up the game pieces left on the table and put the telephone book back into the drawer. She watered the plants, emptied the wastebasket and hung up a few towels to dry. She yawned stretched, and headed for the bedroom. She stopped by the desk and wrote a note to the teacher, counted out some cash for the field trip. Pulled, she pulled out a textbook out from under uh, the chair. She signed a birthday card for a friend, addressed the stamped in an envelope. She wrote a quick note to the grocery store. She put both near her purse so she wouldn't forget. Mom then creamed her face, put on moisturizer, brushed and flossed her teeth, trimmed her nails. Husband called. I thought you were going to bed. I'm on my way, she said. She put some water into the dog's dish, put the cat outside, then made sure the doors were locked. She looked in on each of the kids, turned out a bedside lamp, hung up a shirt, threw some dirty socks into the hamper, had a brief conversation with one of them still up. In her own room, she set the alarm, laid out clothing for the next day, straightened up the shoe rack. She added three things to her list of things to do for tomorrow. About that time, hubby turned off the TV and announced to no one in particular, I'm going to bed. And he did. I appreciate that because a lot of that sounds what goes on in my house often every night. Mother's Day. In 1905, Anna Jarvis from West Virginia began honoring her mother in a church service. She began a letter writing and petition campaign to the government. In 1914, President Woodrow Wilson signed a resolution making the second Sunday in May Mother's Day. If you are all here right now, I would like for all the mothers to stand. Sorry, you're probably on your couch. But I, I want you to know how important mothers are. You see, moms 
are God's idea. He made us. He had a plan for us. And then he gave us these good moms to help work the plan. Mother's Day. Mothers were God's idea. Motherhood came out of God's mind and heart. We celebrate the mothers and the sister mothers. Those those sisters of moms who have a great deal of input into their nieces and nephews. Listen, mothers. Mothers are sometimes ruled by fear and worry. And I came across this quote, and I really, I've been so excited all week to share it with you. This quote goes like this. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Speaking of the coronavirus and when we go yellow and when we go green and all that, that's all, that, that, that's out of our hands. But never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Please write that down. If you are ruled sometimes by fear, by worry, that quote comes from Corey Ten Boom, a Holocaust survivor. I changed it a little bit for Mother's Day. It goes like this, moms. Never be afraid to trust your children's unknown future to a known God. Trust your children to a known God. Sometimes the greatest thief of a mother's happiness is worrying about her kids. Worry and faith. I use this illustration all the time, but worry and faith, the more worry, the less faith. The more faith, the less worry. We're going to talk about faith for a moment. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I had asked you to be ready if you wanted to follow along. Timothy was a very, very godly young man. The Apostle Paul picked him out of thousands Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, picked him out of thousands to become the pastor of the church of Ephesus. He had very godly grandmother and mother. And because of him, watch this, 2 Timothy 1.5, when I call to remembrance the Apostle Paul speaking to Timothy, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in thee also. Unfeigned faith. The next verse. Wherefore I put you in remembrance. Remember, Timothy, that you stir up the gift of God, which is in you by the putting on of my hands. Stopping right there a moment. Mothers can tell the strengths and weaknesses of their children. Mothers, do your best to strengthen their weaknesses. 
But remember, it's their strengths that can be gifts from God. Feed those strengths. I remember at the at the age of probably 16, uh, my son did not want to go into the ministry, he said. He wanted to be a physical therapist. His uncle is a physical therapist. And uh, I decided to start taking him on visitation with me. My son loved people. Took him on visitation. And in, I remember in, in, one, in one place, he came out. We went to a nursing home in Tyrone. And when we came out of uh, the nursing home, he was weeping with compassion for the people we had just visited. And just rows and rows and rows of, of wheelchairs. We stopped at each one, got down on a knee, and I did, and talked and prayed with them. And it so touched his heart. It, it awakened him. He developed the gift, the gift that now sustains him as a, a pastor of a good-sized church in Virginia. That verse 7, For God has not given us the spirit of fear. And as a young man going into the ministry, there would be fear. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Mothers, you're part of that to help them develop a sound mind. And mothers, I'm so proud of you. At least in our church, we have, we have really strong mothers and uh, teaching the Word of God and teaching character to their children. I have seven practical suggestions that I have learned through the years. Seven practical suggestions for moms. And number one, don't be a screamer. It shows disrespect. And it does work when they're young. But screaming disciplinarians develop rebels. They will submit to you while, while you're doing the screaming when they're young, but as soon as they can get out from underneath your thumb, or just get out, they want to rebel against authoritarian discipline. Don't be a screamer. Watch yourself. Ask your kids. Ask your husband. Am I a screamer? There are other ways to, dis- to, to discipline your children. Number two. Don't forget to praise them, even in front of others. So important, so important for you to be praising them. I, it, even in our own church, there's been times when a mother uh, has gone by with their, their child at their side, and the mother in front of the pastor says, oh, he's just, he's just bad. He's just bad. He can't help himself. He's just bad saying that in front of the children, about the children, to the pastor. I hear it all the time in the, in the grocery stores, uh, mothers disrespecting uh, their children. 
Give them compliments. To their face, and even indirectly when they're there, praise your children in front of others and other adults. So important. So important. Praise them, even in front of others. Number three. Choose your words carefully. Use your filters. Let your words be as apples of gold. Proverbs 25.11, a word fitly spoken. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Your words are life and death sometimes. Life and death, so important for you to realize how important your words are. And I always pray, Lord, keep an angel on the guard of my tongue that I not misspeak, that I don't use words. I can't, listen, mothers, I can't say, I can't say everything that comes to my mind. I have to pass it through a filter. And so should you, mothers. Choose your words carefully. Use your filters. Let your words be as apples of gold. And in in speaking of that, there is a passage of Scripture that talks about our words. Ephesians 4.29. This is one of those verses I thought you might want to follow along in your Bibles. Now, I picture you with your Bible open on your couch, in your lap, the Bible, or at your kitchen table. But follow along if you would. Underline, if you would, those things that are important to you. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. What? Let no corrupt communication Proceed out of your mouth. Part of that corrupt communication in front of your children is when you are criticizing and judging other people. When you're critical with them listening, when you're critical even of their father, teaching them to disrespect their dad. Corrupt communication. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying. Oh, edifying are the words, are those things that build others up, that, that are compliments to others. And uh, so important for you to use your words that, to build up others, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Verse 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit, Because it does grieve Him when we critique others, when we judge others, when we condemn others. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. It's one of those verses that I just love. I'm sealed. You're sealed if you have Christ in you. And uh, we're sealed to the day of redemption, the day of judgment, the day of heaven in our lives. Verse 31 says, So let all bitterness, let's go through these bitterness, is the lack of forgiveness. 
It's when meanness comes out of your mouth, comes out of your heart. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking, let it be put away from you with all malice. The idea of even getting even with others. And this is it. Be ye kind one to another. That's what we're missing when we're so closed up like this. We're not able to be kind to one another. Right now we can't get out. So use that cell phone. Use that phone and be kind to one another. Just just calling calling somebody and uh, asking how they're doing. I was thinking about you. How are you doing through all this? What's going on in your life? Oh, that we can do so much good when we are kind one to another. When we are, the next word, tender-hearted. When we try to feel what they're feeling. When we're tender-hearted. There's so many people that have that have so many things going on in their life. We need to be tender-hearted to be able to help them get through it. Tender-hearted. And it goes on, forgiving one another. Some people are hard forgivers. I know people that are hard forgivers. Be an easy forgiver. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, For Christ's sake, do it for Him. Because Christ has forgiven you. We are to forgive others in the same way that Christ forgave us. I need His forgiveness. So do you. Forgive others. Now, Pastor Dave, you don't don't know what you're saying. You don't know what He did to me. What He said, what He... I know this, we've misspoke, we've said bad things. When it says to forgive others, it doesn't mean we we have to get all chummy with them. It does mean we have to stop talking about the offense. Just stop talking about it and it will eventually evaporate away out of your memory. So number one was don't be a screamer. Two, don't forget to praise them. Number three was choose your words wisely. What's number four? Don't be a conditional lover of your children. And if lover, be an unconditional lover, unconditionally. Mama will love you if you bring home A's. Mama will love you if you cut the grass. Mommy will love you if. No. Make sure your children know you love them no matter what they do. You're able to separate the sin from the sinner. You're to love the sinner, to love the child. Don't be a conditional lover. Let me tell you something. We all want our children to mature, to grow up. Some of them will get married. We want our children in their future marriages to be unconditional, unconditional lovers. 
if you want their marriages to last, to be easy forgivers, if you want their marriages, future marriages to last. And we're teaching them, moms are teaching them how to have a great family life later. Be careful. Be careful. Number five. Learn to control your temper. Ah! My dad had a bad temper. If he came home mad, we all ran. He was a policeman for a very long time. He didn't always have a, a, a good day on the streets. And if, if mom, and mom's listening right now, but if mom would say, wait till your daddy gets home. When Daddy got home, no one wanted to be there when Mom told on us. Learn to control your temper. You don't want to control your children through your temper. The Bible says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Control your temper. And part of that for me is to practice the presence of Jesus Christ. He's at my side. He's in every room. He's in every car. He's in every woods that I'm at. And uh, I just have to remember that before I lose my temper and get mad. Be ye angry and sin not. I had somebody in my in my ministry some 15 years ago no, 25 years ago. He came to me with this. He said, I have this daughter that I tell her be in by 11 o'clock on her dates. She never is in by 11 o'clock. It's 11.15, it's 11.30, it's 11.45. Last week was 12 o'clock. And I told her, I told her, you've got to be in by 11 o'clock. She is never obeying me. And she said, just, he said, just this past weekend, I was so mad. I actually picked her up and put her against the wall and was screaming and yelling at her. And now she hates me. She hates me. What should I do? Now, if you were in my office, you would see tons of books on parenting. And most of them, my wife and I have read. And I would say to you, you make it, you should make it a lifelong study on how to be a good parent. But I remembered in this one, this one book, can't even tell you which one. In this one book, they said to sit down. And I told this person, this father, this irate, angry, so disappointed father who was raising a rebellious daughter. I said, do this. If your anger and your temper and your intimidation isn't working, do this. Get a pizza. Sit down at the kitchen table with pads and with a pad and paper, with pad and pen, and asking and Let's make a list of the, of the sins, the rules they break. 
And let's, while we're eating pizza and talking, let's talk about what would the penalties be for breaking those rules. And when it, when it comes to being in on time from your dates, nice and casual, what should we do if you come in 10 minutes late, 20, 30, 50? Make, make some rules that, that she even agrees with. Even let her choose the penalties. Some cases they even choose harsher penalties than you would. And then the next week, when she goes out on her Saturday night date. Reminder, be very loving and kind. Now remember, in by 11, if you're 11, 10, if you're 11, and w- please be careful, don't break the, the new rules. He said he sat on the couch that night. At 11 o'clock, the car went by with her in it. And it went around the block. It went around the block several times. So it was like 20 after before she came in the door. And he said, I scared her to death with kind, loving words. I said this. He said, I lowered the newspaper and I said, oh, it's 1120. Penalty is no phone for a week. Okay, good night. And he said she went white with fear. Her daddy was now under control. Her daddy was controlling his temper. And this person told me from then on, his daughter was always home on time. Look at the verse. Jeremiah 5.25 your iniquities, your sins, your broken breaking of the rules have turned away these, and you can write good things there. And your sins, your broken breaking of the rules will withhold the good things from you. That's the, the biblical version of grounding someone. Don't make it harsh at first. Make it gradual. But write the rules down. Write, write the expectations down and write what the, uh, what the penalties are. In, in our family, if they broke one of the rules, it was, okay, fine. If they broke one of the rules, that, if they broke a rule down that wasn't rule, if they broke one of our rules that wasn't written down, the penalty was less for the first timers. I just encourage you, control your tempers. Get control over your yelling and your screaming no matter what. I I remember my wife and I were just talking about this. We had two teenagers, two years apart. They would go out on these dates uh, at different times. And then when they came in, they would come into our room, sit on this golden, broken down lazy boy next to the bed and they would talk to us about their date, share with us their problems. Wow. The opposite Psalm of, of Jeremiah 5.25, of course, Psalms 84.11, no good thing will God withhold from them that walk uprightly I hope a light just went on. 
I hope a light just went on in your head and you want to hear where that is again. Psalms 84, 11, the second part of that verse. No good thing will God withhold from them that walk uprightly. That means rewarding your children for the good things that they do. And even the good things they might do without being asked. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Said I had seven helps. I want to go to number six now. Let your kids see you reading your Bible. Help your kids develop the daily habit of reading the Word and prayer. So important. They won't always be in your nest. They're going to be out of your nest. You want to teach them the daily habit. Possibly through them, they watching you in your daily habits. Let your kids see you reading your Bible. Help your kids develop the daily habit of reading. Show them a method that works for them with a bookmarker and a Bible that for the younger kids might be a child's Bible, but I know the older kids, their Bible, personalize it. But let your kids see you reading your Bible. Help your kids develop the daily habit of reading the Word and teach them how to pray. Teach them how to pray. And part of that can be the cat's prayer. The cat's prayer, confess, adore, thanks, and supplication. I, I want to uh, read to you more about Timothy, the young preacher who had such godly, godly grandmother, godly mother. I'd like to read to you from Second Timothy chapter 3 if you want to follow along. Second chapter, Second Timothy Chapter 3, Paul says to him, Continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of. Develop the habits. Just a little habit. Start them off at 5 or 10 minutes. Start yourself off at 5 or 10 minutes, but gradually stretch it. Knowing of whom you have learned them. And that from a child, this is it, Timothy, And that from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Wise unto salvation. The greatest blessing to a mother is to know her children will go to heaven. The greatest curse to a mother is to not know to not know if their children are going to heaven. Verse 16, Timothy, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine. It's profitable for reproof, correction, and instruction. And then verse 17, this is what we want. That the man of God, that the child of God may be perfect. The word perfect means mature. Thoroughly, completely furnished unto all good works. Let your kids 
see you reading your Bible habitually. For their sake, teach them to do so also. Now, number seven. Remember, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. God knows what he's doing. He really does. He, he knows what's happening. As long as I know he knows, then, then uh, I'm okay. As long as I know he knows, whatever it might be. So number seven. Some of my closest friends want to make sure their wives are listening. Number seven. Don't forget your husband. So important for you to keep that relationship going with your husband and to not be too busy for them. Don't forget your husbands. Husbands, we're supposed to be helpmates to them. They're our helpmate. We're to be their helpmate. We're to be helpers with them in raising the children. It's not just a mother's job. Husbands, help. But moms and dads should have a date night. They should go regularly out alone together by themselves with a babysitter or a relative watching and making it be something that is just us. Just us. Just the two of us. Tell me how things are going. Tell me what was the hardest thing this week. What were the hard things this week? So many marriages would prosper if there was more sharing and more communication. But statistics show where there's an involved father in the the rearing of the children, the children grow up happier and stronger and more mature. And the boys need to have that model as well. Husbands, helpmates, and date nights. Don't let that go by the wayside. Never be too busy, too distracted for your husband. He loves you. And you want to, you want to groom that relationship to keep his eyes only on you. There once was a man who had a wife who didn't have any children. And he thought he he was enough. She was an older lady now and still had no children. And she was always crying about it and grieving about it. And I wanted to share this with you. 1 Samuel 1.8 on the screen here. Then said Elkanah, that was her That was the husband's name. Then said Elkanah, her husband. This is Hannah. If you don't know the story, Hannah promised God that if God gave her a a boy, she would raise him and then at a tender age give him to the temple to be raised as a priest. Then said Elkanah, Her husband to her, Hannah, why are you crying? 
Why are you not eating? Why is your heart so grieved? And this is where many of us husbands don't understand. He says, Am not I better to you than ten sons? No. No, we can't replace. We can't help their motherhood. We can't replace her children, her family, no matter what you think. Men don't understand motherhood. It's totally separate from from husbandship and wifemanship and marriage. It's separate. We don't understand motherhood and, and the feelings they have. You can have the most wonderful marriage and family and home life and all that, but have one of the children three states away have a miserable day, they can be miserable too. Men don't understand. We just want our wives to be happy. We can't fix the motherhood problems. So, just support her motherhood. I'm telling you, there were things in in our past, 47 years of marriage now, there were things I wasn't sure how to help. And she, and my my wife, an excellent mother. My my wife would make a decision which I I didn't understand. I didn't have to. I always supported her motherhood and her decisions uh, when it came to our children. Dads support their motherhood, and whenever possible, don't argue. Don't criticize, don't judge, support their motherhood. I wanted to close with an illustration. I wanted you to remember, be patient, mothers. God's not finished with them yet. He's working on them. And when I when I thought of that, I I I remembered the the potter's house. From Jeremiah. I'm in Jeremiah 18, if you want to follow along. Jeremiah 18. And remember, at that time in history, Israel had fallen away from God. They had great prophets who were constantly crying out to the people, What are you doing? And here's Jeremiah 18, verse 3. He says, So I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he worked a work on the wheels, and the vessel or the bowl that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. There had been a mistake made. Might have been a piece of pebble, might have been a hair, might have been something, and it just wasn't working out. So he made it again another vessel. He made it again another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah, saying, and I have verse 6 on the, on the screen. O house of Israel, can I, cannot I do with you as this potter did, says the Lord. Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, 
so are you in my hand. And I, and I thought about that, and I had them look around for some Play-Doh. And I hope you can see this on the screen. This is what we make with, with our children. Some of them get marred. Some of them make mistakes, and they just need to be forgiven and remade. But we are busy making, building the character of our children, building up our children's life. And it is so hard sometimes. It requires so much patience sometimes, so much wisdom, which again, I I say get from the Word, get from the Word of God. But as the potter made made the pot, we as parents, Today, especially as as mothers, we are actually making and building our children up, piece by piece. We're building their their heart and their life. And I just want to say, God did make a mistake when He chose mothers. When He chose mothers with a mother's heart to be so influential in building our children. I want to say thank you, Mother. My Mother. I want to thank you for the sacrifices, for all the work, for all the food, for for all the pudding, for all the ironing, for all the cleaning. Thank you. Thank you, Mom. We should all be looking at those things. Our mothers aren't perfect but they're who God chose for us. They have strengths and weaknesses. And moms, God bless you for developing the heart. Not a hardened heart. If you leave this out out to dry, it becomes a hardened heart. And some of the things mothers might do might harden the children's heart. So please be continually moms softening yours with the Word of God and prayer, helping your children to develop a heart for God. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, I just pray, Lord, especially right now for all the mothers having to have their children home all day and having to entertain and feed and care for their children, who in some cases are just bored out of their minds. Lord, give them, give mothers patience. Give them wisdom, Lord, in these days of coronavirus especially. But Lord, help our mothers to soften their hearts. Help them, Lord, to soften, help soften the child's heart, teaching Teach our children, Lord, about you in heaven. Give our mothers and dads wisdom for that. No, they don't come to Sunday school, but it was really never the top priority for church to be the teachers. It was the parents' priority. It was their job to develop godly children. Asking you, dear Lord, to please, 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 Bless these 
moms and dads and sister mothers. Bless them, Lord, with wisdom and patience. But Lord, there might be someone here listening to my voice right now who they would recognize that they have a hardened heart. Life has hardened their heart. Circumstances have hardened their heart. Oh God, take this moment right now. Holy Spirit, soften their hearts toward you. Holy Spirit, if there be someone here that doesn't know you in a personal way, asking you, Lord, to soften their heart, help them, Lord, to ask you into their life, to ask you to forgive their sin, to ask you, Lord, to help them grow for your help, Lord. Some things we can't do by ourselves. It's too much. It's too overwhelming. But Lord, with your help, with your help, Lord, you can come into our life, into our hearts, soften them and make us useful, useful to the kingdom of God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for mothers. They came out of your mind, out of your heart. The idea of motherhood. Thank you, Lord, for our children. Gifts from heaven. In Jesus' name.